You're listening to the Salty Catholic Podcast. I am your host, N.S. Kesto. I'm salty because Jesus calls us to be the salt of the earth. But I'm also salty because I'm watching the culture move away from authentic, biblical Christian values, and it's dragging many Christians along with it. I'm salty because I'm seeing Catholics become lukewarm in their faith and not standing up to the secular world. So, I'm here to sprinkle in a little bit of flavor. All right, let's begin. When talking to Protestants, I found that most conversations I have with them regarding Catholic doctrines that they have an issue with end up kind of being useless and a waste of time. It's mostly because there are two central doctrines that they hold, and most Catholic doctrines won't make any sense unless we can come to an agreement on these two important issues. They're the doctrine of faith alone and sola scriptura. Now, if we as Catholics just focus on these two doctrines when having a dialogue with a Protestant, and we can get them to kind of understand that these two teachings are completely false, then everything else should fall into place. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the false doctrine of faith alone, and in the next two episodes, God willing, I'll be talking more in depth about Sola Scriptura. So the doctrine of faith alone is basically the idea that all you need for salvation is your faith in Jesus. Your faith saves you. Nothing else you do can have an effect on your salvation whatsoever. One is justified only by the confident trust in God through the saving merits of Jesus Christ. Here's the problem with this doctrine. It's completely made up. For starters, the Bible doesn't teach it. Now, yeah, you'll have some false teachers out there, someone with a YouTube channel or a social media uh, channel, and they'll cite you some random Bible verses and tell you that it teaches faith alone. So I'm going to go over two common verses that Protestants like to use. And there are many other verses that they use, but to me, I, I feel like these are the two most common Bible verses that they use. And we're going to take a look to see what they say, and most importantly, what they don't say. So the first one is Ephesians chapter 2, and these are verses 8 and 9. And this is where Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, so before I break this verse down, here's a simple rule when someone's quoting a Bible verse to you. Pull up the Bible verse on your phone or on the or in the Bible if you have one in your hand, and then read the entire chapter to them. At the very least, read a few verses before, few verses after. You're going to see that 99% of the time, they're completely taking this verse out of context. And these two verses in Ephesians are a classic example of this. So let's read verses 1 through 10, and let's just see what the author has to say. Paul says, And you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sins which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the air, the spirit that is now in works in the sons of the disobedience. Among these we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of our body and mind, and so we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ Jesus, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, this is a gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, in which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
So what's Paul saying here? He starts off by saying that uh, Jesus made us alive even though we were dead in our sins because we followed evil spirits, you know, the, the spirits which work in the sons of the disobedience. And then he says we lived in them because of the passions of our own flesh and our desires, the desires of our body and mind, and we were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, because he's rich in mercy, because he loves us so much, even when we were dead through sin because of all these acts that we were doing, he made us alive again with Christ. And how does he do that? By grace. Grace is what gives us this salvation. By grace, we are saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. This is a gift of God, not because of works. What is this gift that he's talking about? He says, this is not your doing. This is a gift of God. He's talking about grace. Grace is the gift of God. Grace is what's saving us, not faith. We're not saved because of our faith. We are saved because of the grace that God gives us through Christ Jesus. Now, of course, you need faith in Christ to accept this free gift of salvation that he's offering. But nowhere does it say that just having faith by itself is sufficient. And how do I know that? Because in the very next verse after that, in verse 10, he says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in what? In the good works which we were created in Christ Jesus to do. So I'm not sure how one can read this verse and come up with faith alone when reading the whole chapter, or at least up until, up until verse 10. Paul's clarifying that salvation can't be earned simply through works. Faith is required, but also so is works. But then there's another Bible verse that Protestants like to use, which is Romans chapter 2 specifically verse 28, where Paul says, For we hold that man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Aha! See? It says we're justified by faith apart from works. Checkmate, you papist. All right, calm down. Let's read the text. It says that man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Two things here. One, it doesn't say faith alone. It just says faith apart from works of the law. And secondly, which is the most important thing, Works of the law are not all works. Works of the law are just a subcategory of works. It doesn't say man is justified by faith apart from all works. Paul is being very specific here. He says works of the law. The Bible talks about many different types of works. There are the works of God, for example, creating the universe. There are good works, feeding the hungry. Uh, there are works of the law, just like circumcision. And then there are works of the flesh, which is our sin. Paul here is saying that we are justified by faith apart from works of the law, not all law in general. What does he mean by works of the law, though? Keep in mind the rule. When somebody gives you a Bible verse or two, read the entire chapter or a bunch of verses before and after. If we apply it here and read two verses later after this verse, you can see what he's talking about. The works of the law that he's talking about is circumcision. And then he goes on and spends pretty much the entirety of chapter 4 talking about why circumcision doesn't justify a man. Now for context, there was a dispute among the apostles regarding whether a Gentile, pretty much anybody who's not a Jew, is required to be circumcised in order to be a member of Christ's church and to be saved. Paul argued that one did not need to be circumcised. Peter and some of the other apostles argued that one needed to be circumcised. Read Acts chapter 15 to get the idea. But Paul's argument is that works of the law, such as circumcision, dietary laws, uh, clothing laws, and pretty much most, if not all, mosaic laws, are not what justify people. But faith in Christ Jesus is what, ju what justifies people apart from those laws. 
Protestants like to take this verse and make it say, man is justified by faith alone and not by works. So they add the word alone, they take out the words of the law, and then they'll talk crap about Catholics and say, we make stuff up that's not found in the Bible. Well, I mean, yeah, when you rewrite the Bible the way you do, of course, what I believe is not found in your edited version of the Bible. Okay, so what about works? Do works save you? No, works don't save you. Jesus dying on the cross is what saves you. You cannot do works to create your salvation. That's made clear in the Bible. The Bible is also clear that when you receive this free gift of grace, you need to do work to maintain it. And one place we see that in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 19, where the rich young man comes to Jesus and asks, Teacher, what good deeds must I do to have eternal life? Pay attention. What good deeds must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus asks him, well, keep your commandments. And the young man says, which ones? And Jesus says, you know, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness on your father or mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man responds to him and tells him that these things I have observed, what do I still lack? And Jesus says to him, believe it or not, he doesn't say nothing, you just have faith in me and you're good to go, my man. No, Jesus doesn't do that. He says, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. Notice he doesn't just say, faith alone, that's all you need. Jesus gives this guy a list of works to do to gain eternal life, which is odd because the Protestant YouTuber told me that works play no role in my justification. Well, if somebody's insisting that works don't play a role in your justification, read them the letter of James. I'm just going to read chapter 2 of James, of the letter of James, but honestly, the entire letter puts this whole notion of faith alone to bed. Nearly the whole entire letter is about doing good works and how not doing good works is really bad for your faith and puts your puts you at risk of losing your salvation. So I'm just going to read chapter 2, uh, but I really encourage you to read all of the uh, letter of James. It's only five chapters. It probably takes you about 15 minutes to read. It's very easy to read, but I'm going to read chapter 2 and it goes like this. My brethren, show no partiality as you hold faith on our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man with gold rings and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothes comes in, and you pay attention to the one who wears the gold, and you say, Have a seat here, please. And you say to the poor man, Stand here, or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom of which he promised to those who live in him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you to court? Is it not they who blaspheme that honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law of transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not kill. If you do not commit adultery but do kill, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy, yet mercy triumphs over judgment. What does it profit, my brethren, if a man says he has faith, but has not works? Can this faith save him? If a brother or sister is ill-clad and lacks in daily food, and one says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, 
without giving them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I, by my works, will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish fellow, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac upon the altar? You see that faith was active along in his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was also called a friend of God. So you see that a man is justified by works, not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. Like, how do you read this chapter and think to yourself, yeah, faith alone. It's clear what the author of James is saying here, that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. He's not saying faith is not important and works is more important. And he's not saying that works are not important and faith is more important. He's saying that you are justified by works and not by faith alone. Let's look at that very last sentence. So faith apart from works is dead. Let's change it up a bit. What if it says, so battery by itself without a charger is dead? Does that mean the charger is more important? No. The charger without a battery to charge does nothing. But can a battery run on its own without a charger being plugged in? Sure. But for how long? So you see that your phone is powered by a charger and not by a battery alone. And a Protestant will come and tell you, so definitely battery alone? That's all I need from my phone? Faith is required, but so is work. Both of those things go hand in hand, just like the battery and the charger go hand in hand. And the funny thing is, the only time the phrase faith alone is mentioned in the entire Bible, it says not by faith alone. In fact, Martin Luther, that dude who created this entire mess that we are in as, as Christians, he actually wanted to remove the entire letter of James from the copy of the Bible that he was translating because it contradicted everything he falsely thought the rest of the Bible was teaching. But the Catholic position comes from Scripture. And I think if we can get the Protestant just to understand that faith alone is a false doctrine, it's not taught anywhere in Scripture, it will put into perspective why Catholics seem to be doing all these quote-unquote extra things, like baptism, going to Mass, receiving the Eucharist, going to confession, and so on. To a Protestant, if faith alone is true, then everything else we're doing is just unnecessary and borderline heretical, because it seems like we're doing something to add to uh, the, the works of God. It seems like we're doing some kind of work to earn our salvation. But the Catholic position comes from Scripture. We don't do anything to earn our salvation because we cannot do anything to earn our salvation. Salvation was already purchased for us by the blood of Christ, by his death on the cross, and it was given to us as a free gift through grace. We receive this grace through faith, and we do good works to maintain our state of grace so that we don't lose our salvation. Even Paul, he talks about the greatest form of work one can do, which is love. In 1 Corinthians, when we read that famous passage where we hear in all weddings, he says, If I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And then he ends that passage with, So faith, hope, and love abide by these three, but the greatest of them is love. So my brothers and sisters, I can't urge you enough to read the Bible and ask questions to understand the Bible. 
Don't just listen to any schmuck that reads Bible verses and tells you what they mean and just trust what they say just because they're saying it. Definitely don't do this with me. Don't believe what I'm saying just because I have a microphone. Read the Bible yourself and see if what I'm telling you is true or false. And if you're still not sure, luckily for you, Jesus set up a pretty cool system where we can learn what these Bible verses mean if we're confused. And he called this uh, the church. But I'll save that topic for the upcoming episodes. Anyway, thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new. Please pray for me as I keep praying for you. And please share this podcast with someone who hasn't listened to it yet. And you know what? Let them know that I exclusively pray for those who listen to the show and I don't pray for anybody else. So if they need an extra prayer in their life, just have them subscribe and listen and they get an extra prayer. And if you're really bored, you have absolutely nothing else to do, please check out our other podcasts by ECRC. We have the Catholic Avengers 2.0 because Jeff and Pilar need to upgrade their powers or something. I don't know. And then we have the Invitation to the Sisterhood hosted by the lovely ladies, Vanessa and Adora. And Patrice is there too. She's okay. I love you all, God bless you all, and be salty.